Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Plus Four podcast, exploring the big wide world of Hickory Golf. I'm your host, Rob Berman. Episodes of this podcast reflect the personalities, the passion, and the pursuit of the game as it was played in the pre-1935 era across the world. Please subscribe and hit the like button to help us build our network of golfing fans coordinated in the United States through the Society of Hickory Golfers, and visit us online at plus4.org. One of the great things about national and international Hickory Golf events is that one never knows who one might meet along the way. In 2021, I flew out to Wisconsin to play in the Wisconsin Hickory Golfers Whistling Straits Hickory Challenge, as I had always wanted to see the course. Well, one of those nights, I ended up sitting at dinner with a table full of new friends I had never met before, one of whom I came to learn was Bert Coghill. Coghill, did you say? Yes, that Coghill. You see, Bert's great-grandfather and his two brothers started Coghill Golf and Country Club outside Chicago a few years before the Great Depression. And because of their keen abilities, they managed to keep the course open and thriving throughout the worst economic climate of the past 100 years. I learned that the hickory scene in Chicago is still fledgling, but with players like Bert, Peter Flory, and others sitting at the table, I knew I was in the presence of some serious talent. On a trip to Chicago in the spring of 2023, I decided to call Bert to see if I could learn more about his life in golf in the Chicago region. As a side note, this podcast is being released in June 2023, and as it happens, there is a completely engrossing and fascinating series out right now through the Fire Pit Collective with Matt Janella, detailing the so-called Club Pro Crisis, which I highly recommend listening to if you are not yet familiar with. It is worth your time, and it is both comprehensive and extensive. Go to firepitcollective.com to find the full series, which details the modern challenges with recruiting and retaining club professionals in today's times. As I edited my discussion with Bert, I could not help but to draw parallels and connections to that series. You see, Bert grew up in golf and spent his entire career in one region, seven days a week, tending to his customers and family's course, Silver Lake Country Club in Orland Park, Illinois, and immersed in the day-to-day events that have undoubtedly brought so much joy to his members and their guests. Before arriving at his home, I drove up to the clubhouse and took in the scene. Silver Lake boasts 45 holes over three courses that the public can play with a robust set of leagues, youth programs, and professional instruction. If you're a Hickory player and will be in the Chicago area, I suggest you book a time and see this fantastic club. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Bert Coghill to the Plus Four podcast. Bert, thank you for having me by. It's a pleasure to see you again. Uh, We met at the Whistling Straits event a few years ago, and um, we were sitting at a dinner table and... uh, I know you recently were back up for the Whistling Straits event just this week. How was that? It was good. It was a tough two days. How's that? Mm-hmm. It was a tough two days. Weather was okay? Weather was pretty good. Uh-huh. Yeah, the weather was pretty good. We had a little rain yesterday when we played the Irish course for about four or five holes, mm-hmm. but it wasn't no, nothing too serious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and scoring was difficult. So, but 
it was fun. That Wisconsin group is very, very strong, isn't it? Very in terms strong. of membership and events. Yeah, they have probably between eight and nine events every year. Yeah, and I know they do a lot more gutty events than anybody else now. Yeah. Was Ernie organizing most of it? Ernie did the, yes. Yeah. Ernie, yeah. yeah. And Doc, Dyke Ike. Uh-huh. Yeah, those two, you know, they do a lot of work. It's great, you know, and it's like, I think there was 40, 40 participants. Mm, yeah, that's and, good. Yeah. yeah it's, just, it's always a good show. Yeah. And it just, you know, it's extreme hickory golf. Yeah. When you're playing, you're playing the meadows and it's long and, yeah. and the Irish play long because of, because of the damp conditions, yeah. you know, and then you get uphill and against the wind. The wind was like east, northeast. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really bode well for that particular layout because there's a lot of, a lot of the par fours are right into the wind. Right. And so the par four is actually a par five almost. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, but that's okay. So you can just forget about it. You yeah, know. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Low score wins. <laughs> exactly, right. Yeah, you see those old scores and there's nothing about par, right? Right, exactly. It was yeah. just the total. Right, yeah. Total, total amount of strokes, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Have you spent your whole life in golf? Yep. Uh, so you were... I haven't left the property. This house? Well, was, was I've this been on family? this property for my whole life. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Now, did your was your father and mother in golf? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you mind telling a little bit of that story? My great grandfather and his two brothers originally started Cog Hill. Mm -hmm. And this is on your father's side. This is on my father's side. Yes. Uh -huh. And that was uh, like in 1925 ish, right uh -huh. around there. They started building Cog Hill. Um, two courses there, and uh, there were three brothers involved. My grandfather was Bert, and he mm -hmm. took care of the grounds. And uh, Jack took care of the clubhouse operation. And Marty kind of hung back for a while and still ran the electrical business that mm. my the other two brothers were also involved in, and that's how they got enough money to right. make a golf course. Sure, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so then once he saw that this could be a thing. Yeah, before 1930, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. yeah so he joined them. Right. And so he became the, uh, he was in charge of the concession stands. Uh-huh. Right. So that was the only thing left available right. at that particular time. So, and, uh, you know, Cog Hill thrived during the Depression, mainly because of the Archer Avenue uh, there used to be a trolley used to go oh. all the way from downtown, oh. right down the middle of Archer Avenue, mm -hmm. and the end of the line was right in front of Cog Hill. Oh. And so people would jump on the on the trolley, right? Grab some kid off the street and say, "Hey, come on, kid, let's you, know, you want to earn a you want to earn fifteen cents? Right, right. Let we're we're gonna go play golf, and you're gonna caddy for me. Right, right. That's yeah, pretty sweet." Yeah. Right, and so they would jump on the trolley and go down there, and they'd drop you right off in front of the Cog Hill. Right, you walk in, pay your fee, and jump back on a trolley and go home. And they were able to keep two courses open and running during the Depression. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, wow. It was you know it's like the old adage: location, location, yeah. location. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, good for them. Good for them, right? And uh, are the archives and everything fairly complete, as far as you know? Or most of that stayed at the club, maybe? 
Uh, most of that stayed at the club, far as I know. And then you were raised here. I was raised here. So my grandfather, the deal was is that the last man standing uh -huh. sort of gets it. Uh -huh. And he was the oldest of the three brothers. And he was thinking like, okay, I got two sons. What's going to happen here? I think I better find something for my sons. Yes, sure. And so he was looking around and there happened to be a course that was struggling which was Silver Lake, and that's basically the south side of this particular property. Mm -hmm. And so he bought that in 37, and there happened to be another course directly north of it, adjoining, called Euclid Hills, which was a oh. private Masonic course. Oh, right. So mm -hmm. like you think of Masonic, you think of Medina. Yeah. Well, and the whole origins oh, of the game in Scotland, too. Right. So, Tons of Masonic connections. Right. And so and Euclid Hills was purported they wanted to build homes around the mm. golf holes right. and stuff like sure. that at this time, which was kind of a little revolutionary mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. It did not fly like that because like, I think most of the people from Chicago flocked to Medina right. because of ease of transportation. There was a train that would drop you right off. Same thing, right? Yeah, sure. Like a train would just leave you right off there. And then they had they had all kinds of stuff there. They had uh, skeet shooting. They oh, had really? tobogganing, and they had you know skiing. Uh -huh. They had like a hill. They, right. they did they did all kinds of wow. stuff to to attract people. Right. So the, the Shukud Hills uh, went in the receivership, and mm. so my grandfather bought that at, uh, about a year and a half later. And that's why today there's 45 holes? Uh, yes. So, so, the, so they, uh, my dad said they worked out of two clubhouses for a year. And right. then he said, this is crazy. I can't, I can't do this. Right. You know, it's just you going back and forth. And so they reconfigured the layout, so to speak, so they could do one central location. So the clubhouse used to be right out right here. On the, one clubhouse used to be right here on the mm -hmm. on the green right outside my house. Ah, okay. And it was one of those uh, German innovation barns that was like a, like Lincoln Logs, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like all notched. Right. And so the Easy barn was there, yeah. they, they, you know, uh, which was a clubhouse at the time. And one of the local farmers says, John, what are you going to do? You know, now that you're one clubhouse, what are you going to do with mm -hmm. the barn? He says, I don't know. Do you want it? And he said, yeah, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. So this guy dismantled the barn right. and then moved it up a mile north of the, our property. Right. Pretty cool. And then about 20 years later, it became too crowded around here, too many people. Yeah. And the guy was like in his 70s for sure, and, and he did it again. Wow. And moved down south somewhere. Wow. That's amazing. That's true recycling. <laughs> right, and it's probably standing up somewhere. Right, still. Yeah, amazing. So I have a barn right out here. That was that was our maintenance barn mm. for Silver Lake. Right, just just that little barn. Probably right. housed a tractor. Right, the mowers probably sat outside. There's there's still some sprinklers, old time mm -hmm. sprinklers, and hanging up in, in the, the barn. Rafters, yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, you know, things were pretty simple back then. You just cut everything sure. one height. Yeah. Other than the greens. Right. So you got 
two two cuts. Now yeah. we would have we got four, five, yeah, sometimes yeah. six. I got to play the Philadelphia Cricket Club for a few years, and they do a single cut, and it, it was so much fun to play on a the, course. The like nine that. hole. Uh, yes, the old course. Yeah, yes. the nine hole course. Yeah, yeah. I played there uh, probably ten years ago. St. Martin's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but your you know your ball can rest against that cut in the fairway. Oh my and, gosh! And it's, it's just neat. It's something different. Right. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it would rest against you know they they'd have the the green would be cut and it'd be like ten and a half eleven. Right. And, right. And then you got a two collar. inch rough. Right? Yeah. And, and I, I, your ball's resting against it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's like almost impossible. Yeah, I just found it fun because it was so different. Way different, right? And by the way, speaking of Ernie, I played Ernie in a match. This was at the World Hickory Match Play. Yeah. And I drew Ernie, and there were no strokes given. Ernie, as you know, is a really powerful guy. And uh, I'm not a great player. You know, I got got down to a nine handicap moderns before I went to Hickory. But that match with Ernie was the most fun of every match I ever played in that tournament, which I played for a few years. Mm-hmm. I kept up with him for the first five holes. We were all square after five, and then he just shot out like a thoroughbred. But mm-hmm. it was so much fun to play with him, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we play a lot. We yeah. went to Scotland this past fall for ah. for nineteen days. Oh, what month in October? We went uh, late September, early October. Oh, I was there for twenty one days in October, so we might have overlapped paths a little. Mm-hmm. So to get back to Silver Lake or whatever. This is like in 1939. There was all you know. So we had 36 holes, right? Uh, as as one. And uh, when the war broke out, my dad was uh, in Normandy. He got shot in Normandy by a machine gun bullet. And um, his brother Jack was a uh, parachuter, and he got injured. Uh, he got a head injury parachuting. Mm. And he eventually succumbed in 1946. Mm-hmm. So my dad was, you know, after the war, was was back here operating as a single owner. Yeah. And, and you weren't. Um, and born my yet, grandfather right? was still around. My grandfather passed away in 1951. Mm-hmm. And then Brother Jack, the guy who was running the clubhouse, he he passed away six months later. Wow. And so the guy who was Marty was uh, the concession stand guy. He he's got, you know, the whole thing. The whole thing at wow. Cockhill. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, anyway, so but we got this, and you know, I'm. And then Marty sold shortly thereafter to the Jemsics. Uh huh. Right. Right. Now your grandfather lived in this house. And your father, and now you? Uh, my grandfather lived over at Coghill. Oh, okay. Okay. I see, right. And my mom and dad, there was a residence right next to the clubhouse, our current clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And that burned down. That They lived there. Uh, it was also used partially as a clubhouse, too. It was a farmhouse that had this screened-in porch, mm-hmm. like, pretty much all the way around the house. Right. And, and it was like a breezeway, right? right? And right. they have all the windows open and they played cards there. Right. In the back, there was also a place that where a banquet could be. Mm-hmm. And there was wow. a small kitchen in our back room. And there was like a little small apartment also there mm-hmm. that our superintendent lived in mm-hmm. for many years wow. until the house burned down. 
the house burned down in 1987. We had roofers working on it. Mm. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really cool house. High ceilings. There was even a secret passageway mm -hmm. in, in in the bottom of the house, uh -huh. like one of those real old farmhouses. That, right. Now, you are in your 60s? Uh, I'm in my 70s. Okay, early 70s. Has it ever been hard being so close to the game 24 hours a day? No. That's good. No. I see some things out here, you know, like, because I, I live on the golf course, and I see a couple of things, and I just usually take care of it myself, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, the guy's acting a little Immature. out of sorts. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. out of sorts, you know. Sometimes if I'm busy, I'll just have to call the clubhouse and say, hey, you yeah. got these guys out there and our cart number. And, and yeah. It's it's okay. You know, I would tell my wife, I says, oh, I should be home shortly. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that usually didn't happen. Yeah, well, the work never stops, right? Well, it's just like, you know, yeah, I walk through and people recognize me and right. just like they stop and ask me questions. Right. And it's just, just the way it goes. Yeah. The whole clubhouse up there has a nice feel to it. Yeah. Very open and large and sweeping views. Yeah. So some of that, uh, the bar porch is actually part of the original mm. building. We had, a, we had a clubhouse fire in 1958. Mm. And it's the year we hosted the uh, U.S. public links here. Wow. Right. So we had no clubhouse for wow. a major tournament. Wow. So it burned down like in January. Uh -huh. And my dad called this guy from Blue Island, who was an architect. And this guy, you know, of course back then, you didn't need permits. Mm -hmm. Right. And this guy, on a handshake, <laughs> built a clubhouse in 90 days. Wow. Amazing. That was relevant for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, that, that worked for us. Right. Hmm. And so, you know, like during the public links, we had, the, I was talking about the porch around my mom and dad's house. It was all the, the, the ticker tape stuff. We, that's where the press was. Oh, right. All, all on through there, right? right? You know, right. It was in, uh, Dan Sykes won the, mm -hmm. won the tournament. You know, it was quite a big thing, you know. It's, just, it's all very interesting. Yeah, that's you fascinating. Know, you get a lot of different stuff coming through. What, what is your position today with Silver Lake? I'm retired now. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you, do you get a chance to travel a little bit? I know you... Yeah, I do. You played the Wisconsin event. You talked about some other events a minute ago in your kitchen. Yeah. How often do you get to play Hickory? I yeah. play all the time. Oh, good. So that's what I do, too. That's, that's all I do. Yeah. And you get to travel occasionally to play some of the SOHG events? And... Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, I played in like three years ago in... Um, was it Sleepy Hollow? In the, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, the Hickory Open. Hickory Open. Mm -hmm. came, in, came in third, so I was pretty happy wow. about that. Did you ever play in the French Lick events down there? Not too far from here. I did. Yeah. I played in both of them. Oh, good. Okay. That was where I first discovered the game. Yeah. I was living in Louisville at the time. And I went to the one that was in the unbelievable heat wave. Oh, <laughs> me too. Yeah. That was unbelievable. Yeah. I, my, my buddy I came with about the 14th hole he was wearing black all black uh -oh. that day yeah and hadn't drink didn't drink enough water and like i look at him and he's like wobbling wow right they had to take him off the course i saw guys in the locker room cutting their ties off because they were so full of sweat they couldn't untie the knots on the tie 
So they were just with a pair of scissors cutting off their ties. What is the hickory scene like here in the Chicagoland area? Not as vibrant as you think. You know, there's a few guys that play play around here. Yeah, Peter you know, Flory's around, right? Peter Flory's around here. Uh, Joey Pichek, uh-huh. he's like, I mean, he, he comes and plays with us every once in a while on Mondays. I got a group to play on Mondays, mm-hmm. but he's usually busy. He's got little kids. He's got a mm-hmm. job. He's got, you yeah. know. Yeah. And so, like, um, uh, play with him every once in a while. I got a couple buddies that we... They don't. They're not quite as invested as I am, and like right. in playing hickory all the time. They yeah. they go back and forth. Yeah. But occasionally they, you know, like if I say, "Hey, this guy's coming and this guy's coming, let's have a hickory force." Right. That's right. Nice. Yeah. Which is it's more fun. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And our, our courses are pretty. Uh, they're pretty hickory friendly. There's only like maybe. I can only think of like one hole that really has a, mm-hmm. a frontal has you know mm-hmm. like a, a big sand trap that you had but there is a spot where you can get on the green right right, right. so it's yeah. not you know we should mention for the listeners this course dates to 1927 yeah yeah not not long after cog hill yeah yeah uh, and it has a really beautiful look to it now are you involved in any planning yet for the centenary at either here or cog hill no uh but there will be events here i would imagine I would. I'm not sure. It's a few years from now. Yeah, it's a few years from yeah, now. Yeah, you have time. Yeah. yeah, we got time for that. <laughs> how do you, uh, being in the position you've been for so long, how do you how do you view the trends in the industry these days? Do you have an uh, instinct about that? Do you have memberships? We do not have memberships. Oh, okay. So it's all just fee yeah. for fee for round. Fee for round. Right. Uh, we have a lot of events here. Is it hard to budget on an annual basis, or is it pretty predictable? It's it's fairly predictable, uh-huh. right? It looks. Like it a, all depends, like on the economy. What's going on yeah. in the economy, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, you, you talk back in two thousand eight when everything went south. Yeah. You know, like a lot of our events were all they were builders, right? Mortgage brokers. Bankers, right? All those outings, pretty much disappeared, right? Right. So you know, it it was a, um, it was a hit. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it, during COVID, did the course close at all in Illinois? Did they do that? They did that for a very brief mm-hmm. time, but then they had this goofy rule of uh, uh, you can only go out as a twosome. Right. I remember. Yeah. And then. You could only have X amount of twosomes per hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, your golf course takes a approximately 125 acres for a decent layout, mm-hmm. and you got 40 people on it. Oh, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. Now, Silver Lake is still privately owned. Yes, this is our our family. So that means you don't have to deal with greens committees and things like that. That is correct. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Yes, got to be a benefit. Yes. Our superintendent does a great job here. He's, he's terrific. Of course, is in great shape. Yeah, it's been a really nice spring, as far as golf course conditioning yeah. here in Chicago. Yeah, it's been dry, but there's been sufficient amount. You know, like so, you, playing hickory right now is like awesome because right. like you get, you get roll. Right. Which is usually you don't get until like July or August. Right. Same with where we are. Yeah. And the the fairways are nice and firm. And but the ball's sitting up, and so it's like 
I don't think you could dig in if you wanted to, <laughs> right? Yeah, perfect. And which is like perfect for, especially for hickories. Yeah, yeah. Right? Do you play gutty golf at all? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. It's been a couple of years since I've done mm -hmm. that. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I like it as a, as a change, just, you know, but wears you out because you're hitting those uh, those those long nose spoons. Right, <laughs> I know. Oh, sometimes like it seems like almost all the time. Yeah, 150 yards or whatever you might yeah, get. You're, yeah, you're, you got that thing in your hand almost all the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know, it's it's curious about uh, you know how that ball flies, and, yeah. and people don't understand like how can it hook and slice at the same time. Yeah, you're right. You know Ken Holt. Uh, Ken came out to Washington. The first time I ever played Gutty was with a set that Chris McIntyre loaned to me. And uh, I was with Rob Alshweed and Ken Holtz and somebody else. And the ball was drawing and then fading in the same yeah. path. You know, that was eye-opening to me mm -hmm. and kind of fun. Yeah. You know? And sometimes you, you tee it off and you tee it on a little pile of sand. And all of a sudden, the ball takes off, and it takes a nosedive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'll it'll just like you can go like, yeah. what the heck just <laughs> happened here? Yeah. Or sometimes it'll take up, it'll go like straight up and almost like straight up in the air and come almost straight down. Right. Yeah. You just don't. It's just the the, the little difference in spin. Yeah. Or how your club approaches the ball, it's just like crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you know, I, I sort of like that randomness. Of like golf way back when. Yeah, me too. You know, like oh, your your ball got stuck in a wagon track, like right. a real wagon, right. like a rut, yes, right? Yes. And so now you got you take your ruddy out, right? And now you have to actually hit the ball out of the rut in the direction of the wet of the rut. Right. Exactly. You can't go sideways yeah, on you're it. Right. Yeah. You got so okay. I got to take my medicine. Exactly. Hit right. it out this way. And, uh, you know, and you read some of the stories about, you know, like uh, Francis we met and, you know, like there's mud on the ball mm -hmm. and, you, and you have to, you can't touch the ball, you can't remove the mud. Right. And so you have to try to figure out which way that ball is going to curve because of the mud on the ball. Right. And try to work your way towards the hole. Right. Even on the green. Or, or yeah. around the other guy's golf ball. Right. Right. And like whoever said golf had to be fair. Right. Right. Amen to that. It doesn't have to be fair. Bert, you, you post on Instagram. You find a lot of interesting old historical photos. Where do you do most of your research, or where, do you, where are you finding uh, items that interest you? Some of them are actually things I've collected out uh, when I go to tournaments. Uh -oh, and I've got some books, too, that I have some really interesting old photos. You yeah. Know? I've enjoyed your, your social media account. Oh, good. Just getting back to your to your life running courses, what would you say was the most stressful about that kind of a lifestyle? Was it maintenance related or cash flow related or the variances of the markets? Uh, I think it, it was, you know, we, we were sort of limited of, uh, you know, like when 2008 happened about, you know, what we could do and what we couldn't do. Right. It was sort of like we had like our, our eggs in one basket right. type of thing. And I think it's got to be a balance of events and normal play, right. or regular play, right? Yeah. I think it's got to be a balance. Right. We do have a lot of leagues here, mm -hmm. and the leagues are all afternoon leagues. They're yeah. all like 3 o'clock, 
3 yeah. 30 4 o'clock and you know so our outings are uh, tee off and we're between 8 30 and 9 30 so they, they're pretty much done right about three o'clock and right. then we have available actually front and back nines to accommodate mm -hmm. oh, the league right and most of our leagues are nine holes some uh -huh. of them go 18 but not that many right is it possible knowing what you know about golf course care and maintenance to purely enjoy a round of golf anywhere or are you always looking at the details well, i'm always looking yeah i'm always i'm always checking things out yeah. you know and seeing you know and there's there's so many different ways to do things and in the golf business there's a lot of ways to do things and they all usually turn out right but sometimes they don't and mm -hmm. then you always go to different venues like on the latest Scottish trip I had, they had uh, some rakes. Uh, I think I saw it was a Royal Troon mm. that they had like a hook. The, the the rake wasn't, the handle wasn't straight, but it was actually curved. Uh -huh. And so the rake doesn't actually lay on the ground very much. There's like one point here at the handle. and at, Keeps it off of, And yeah. so I always think that a rake should be in the trap. Right. Period. Yeah, so it doesn't impede the ball from rolling in the trap. Right. Doesn't impede the ball from rolling in the trap, or if it's outside the trap, does it? What if it hits a rake and makes it go in the trap? Right, sure. Right? right. So I think, you know, and so that curve thing, you know, makes a handle nice and clean. Right. And doesn't, should minimize exactly. any deflection or whatever. Right. Right? Yep. Well, wait, can we go to your trip for a minute? Did you start on the West Coast? We started on the West Coast, yeah. yeah. We went down to Prestwick and Royal Troon. Mm, yeah. And then, then we worked our way back to the East Coast. and yeah. up, up up along the Highlands? Yeah. Did you make it over to Makrahanish? I did not. Okay, yeah, that's a long, long drive. We did that and it was extraordinary. Did you have a favorite course on that trip? I do. Cruden Bay. Oh, yeah, God, we were there too. Yeah, Cruden Bay was spectacular. And yeah, we got to play it twice. Uh -huh. I mean, like... You know, just the history of it. It's yeah. just like, you know, I'm a big history guy. I yeah. just, you know, uh, and uh, the history there is like fantastic. And they, you know, they, like, you know, this, this, the starter yes. building is now basically a museum. Right. Wonderful. And it's got all that stuff in there. And it's like, I could have spent hours in there, I yeah. think. Right. Just looking at stuff. That walk, I, I think it's the eighth hole up to the ninth tee box. Uh, or whatever hole that is, yes, right? Yeah, uh, right? Yeah, We got up to that pinnacle, which is extremely hard to walk. Mm -hmm. And I just assumed we were going to turn back to the clubhouse. And nope. I had no idea. <laughs> we kept going. And it's such an amazing golf course. And, it, and then you then you got uh, Bram Stoker's castle right, right. And, and <laughs> it out, it's just looming out there, yeah, right? And yeah. you're thinking like, what the heck is that? You know, and it, yeah. it, 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 I don't know if you went there. But we didn't the, go to the castle, no. So one day I said, I was like physically exhausted yeah. from, and I had to take a day off. And I for, it worked out perfect because the winds were like about 40 miles an hour that particular day. Yeah. So I walked out to, the, you park your car and you have to walk out about a mile and a half to get to this castle. Uh -huh. And I was like, unbelievable. Wow. That's pretty and neat. There's no roof on it, but it's just walls because they, uh, I think the English put a yeah, tax on roof. Oh, right. I heard about that. Right. 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 And so they had to take the roof off the castle, which is basically the end of the castle. Right. Sure. I heard about the window tax, too. There used to be a window tax. 
same thing. People would brick up their windows to minimize their tax. But the thought was, if you had privilege, you had a lot of windows, and if you didn't have privilege, you would have very few windows. So they thought it was a fair system for taxation, you know. Also, I was impressed with the practice facilities there, better than probably any other place we saw in Scotland. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, the other, only other place that had really good facilities for my money was Nairn. They had really good practice facilities there. How about out here, uh, the youth development, and you, you see a lot of that uh, moving first tee style activities and the growth of the game. So we, we started like back in the late 70s, uh, Junior League. Mm. And we have a nine hole course. Right. right. So that's how we got 45 holes. Mm -hmm. And it's a executive nine, so it's got two par fours, obviously seven par threes in water every other hole. Wow. Uh, up and down, it's actually the hilliest portion of our course, and it's like part of it's cut through the woods. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And we would have 325 kids, and they play on Friday mornings, and they would start at 5 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Till 1 o'clock, and tee off till 1 o'clock, and they play in fivesomes. Wow. Really? That's a lot of kids. That's amazing. That's yeah, a lot of kids, yeah. Wow. There's not quite as many now. Yeah. But, you know, back. For quite a while, there was we have three hundred up, and then we'd have another little league on uh, Monday afternoons that they would sort of like graduate to if they wished mm -hmm, to play, mm -hmm. and they would play a long nine. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, nice. One of our pros, basically, he just concentrates on kids. Yeah, excellent. He just you know he gives lessons to kids, and when the lesson's done, he says, "Okay, go buy a ticket." Go play Rowan Hills, uh -huh. you know, or right. go play the Twilight on the, on North Course or South Course. Right, right. So yeah, that's ideal. The most important thing is to play. Yeah, and what about the season here? Can you play eleven months a year, maybe, or ten months a year? Not this year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you normally close in December. Uh huh. Usually early December. Yeah. And this year we op we normally open about. St. Patrick's Day. Okay, right. So, nine months. Yeah. Uh, Bert, you, you're so close to Wisconsin here, and I know there's such a resurgence in all the incredible golf course development there. That's got to be a boon for you. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's so much fun to go up there because there's so many great courses. You got, well, you got the Bull, you got up there, and you got the Whistling Straits complexes, and you got the Irish and the Meadows and the River, and then you got Masonia. Yeah. And there's a lot of other local courses that are really a lot of fun that the Wisconsin Hickory guys play. Um, Sand, Sand Valley, right, and you Sand got Valley, and you got Lido coming up with uh, right. you know Peter Forey, yep. innovative uh, replication, I guess you might say. That's a right? good word. Yeah. Yeah. They posted photos today of some of the rippling in the fairways and how pleased they are. I know the course right. isn't open for play yet, but yeah, it looks great. You know. It's, <laughs> And then from my uh, experience with Scotland, it makes you appreciate some of the American courses and mm -hmm. like how user-friendly American courses are because in Scotland you have all these little little humps and rises and valleys and your ball has to land amongst these things. Yeah. And they're on the way to the green, usually right in front of the green, and if you catch one of those wrong, what you think is going to be a good shot doesn't happen. Right. And so, like, we're going to get to experience 
some more of that stuff right. happening and you, you definitely get to experience that at Sand Valley and right. anybody gets to play Lido for sure is going to be in for a surprise, yeah. right? It's just, and it's just happenstance. Right. It's, it's an outdoor stuff, sport. It's stuff happens, yeah. right? Yeah. But Lasonia is a great track. I, that's my favorite course up there so far. I always look forward to it and it's, uh, I think it's like, 18 holes of each hole is totally different than any other hole that I have seen. How long of a drive is it from here? It's a little over about three and a half okay. hours. It's not bad. No. It's like going into the past. Yeah. Because <laughs> they have a very uh, sublime clubhouse. It's not as ostentatious. Nice little operation. And they yeah. run two courses out of that one clubhouse. They have a great fish fry on Friday nights, yeah. and it's as good as you can find in Wisconsin. Yeah, good. And, uh, you know, the, the, the course's fourth hole is a par, par three uphill, and it's like about 185 yards. It's the 18th handicap hole. Mm, oh, my God. That's amazing. That tells you that something. That tells you that's the, theoretically the easiest hole, and right. it is one hard... Anybody who walks away with a three there feels like they got one, got a stroke up on everybody. Yeah, I'd right? be hitting brassy probably on that hole. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, so you can imagine what the other holes are like. Right. Uh, we have a great time up there, and the Wisconsin golf is like, you know, it's it's really booming right yeah, now. Yeah, it feels that you way. Know, because like, they're making a trip of it. The guys go up there for four or five days. And they go from one venue to another venue to another venue right. and, you know, just have a blast. Do you get into club repair and restoration? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Mostly just, you know, put new sh different shafts in. And yeah. You must have grown up seeing that, though, around you when you were a child. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I, my dad gave me, like, three hickory clubs. Mm -hmm. You know, he gave me, like, a, like a four-wood and a putter and... Uh, Probably like a seven iron or something like that, right. and it was a cutoff hickory, right? Right, that had small heads on them, right? right. That you know, and so here you go, kid. Go, you know, go play. Right. What oh, a great life. Oh, okay, okay let's go. Right. <laughs> yeah, I go do something. You know, I can go fishing. I can do whatever. You know, play play in the creeks and play in the mud. And, right. You know. Right. <laughs> it was you know it was a great childhood. Yeah. Like I, I can imagine. There was nobody around here at that time. There right. was like, you know, there were subdivisions and all that stuff around here, but back in in the 50s, there was nothing, nothing like that. Well, it's a pretty drive coming in here, and it looks like a pretty upscale community. Yeah. Um, Orwood, is that where? Orland. Orland, yeah, yes. Orland, yeah. Yeah, Orland Park. It doesn't look like you're lacking for anything here, so I imagine you don't have to go into the city for much. No, not much. No, yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some good restaurants here. Also, you know, you got Burr Ridge is close by. There's a lot of great restaurants. Right. And I passed some good schools. Yes, I passed. Yeah, we have really good schools yeah, here. Yeah, look like it. Uh, District two thirty is really good. Sandberg, Andrew, Stag. Is there a historical figure that you admire the most in golf? Bobby Jones. Oh, really? Yeah. By far. Yeah. Yeah, Francis we met is up there too. Tom Morris, mm -hmm. old Tom Morris. Yes. I mean, he's like the father of just about everything. Yeah. Greenskeeping, golf professional, club maker, ball maker. Right. 
and as far as a golfer is concerned, Bobby Jones. Yeah. Far as a golf figure is concerned, probably old Tom yeah. Morris. What sparks joy in you with your work? Were you a superintendent or just owner? Uh, or? Director of golf. Oh, director of golf. What yeah. was the What was the upside and the uh, favorite the, the, things? The people, that? the golfers. Yeah. yeah. You know, seeing that's the thing I miss. Yeah. Is I I don't get to see them all. See the guys I known for like sometimes fifty years. Yeah. There's there's people there that been along as golfing there as long as I've been there. Yes. Sure. That's the thing I miss the, the the most. You know, I miss seeing the guys. You know, particularly like your Saturday and Sunday morning golfers. Right. That you know, week after Steady week Eddie for twenty two yeah. twenty two weeks out of the year, they're there. You know, looking to have some fun. Right. Right. Yeah. And so you just try to make it make it fun for them, right? Yeah. Silver Lake. Yeah. Still family owned. Still family owned. Uh, is there a succession plan in place? Uh, the fourth generation. Yeah. is is uh, doing it now there's uh there's three of uh three families involved do you feel any threat for development or is it steady enough and enduring enough that that's not a threat encroachment it's, and it's well the thing that always looms on the horizon is uh property taxes yeah you know you think back in 2008 and you know we had the we had the the recession or depression. I can I sort of consider it a depression, but anyway, yeah. we also had a rise. We had a double. We had a doubling of our property taxes wow. at, at approximately the same time. Wow! And then you have so then you have to pay them, and then you get then you have to try to fight them. Right. And then you get to a point where you're getting X amount on the dollar back. Mm-hmm. And what it's, about it's what just, about water? Do you have to pay for all the water here? No, we have municipal. we have wells. Oh, we're, well. we're blessed with that. Oh. We have some. The the aquifer comes up very. In fact, in my house, I can take off the top of the well, and I can look down and see water. Wow, that is extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. So the aquifer comes right up here to the surface, uh-huh. right, particularly in a line from here, my house to the clubhouse. Yeah. Interesting. There's a one well that if we don't run it for a couple of days. It's an artesian well. Wow, that's amazing. Right. So, so far so good. Yeah, that's good. Great. Yeah. And what what gives you excitement for the future of the game? Is are you excited about the future of the sport? Oh yeah, I think it's great. The golf is great. You know, it's just like what I like is that a lot of the old courses, the classic courses, are trying to find their plans and. And right. make it back to original. Yes. Right. They're they're putting it back to way Donald Ross and all those guys. You know, Lasonia did that. Uh, Kenosha Country Club is doing that. Mid Mid Pines did it recently. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Taking it back to way they had intended it to be. Right. You know, taking the trees out, fixing the bunkers to their original design. You right. Know, and right. Not. You know, taking the ones out that somebody added, or the superintendent added, or yes. another designer might have added, and just you know, just take it back to the way it was. Right. Right. Now the question is, is like obviously ball flight, right? The ball, how far the ball goes. Well, the ball back then didn't go that far. Right. Right. A good drive would be 260, 270 maybe, something like that. Yeah. 
on a really good day, you know, there's only a few guys that could hit it much further than that. Right. And so... You'd be in favor of a spinnier ball? Uh, I think like a ballata? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, that's, I think that would be a good change for the future of the sport. Right. To make it a little less forgiving than it is now. Yes. So that you're not swinging out of your shoes at every shot. Right. And you know, a spinnier ball is going to give you more hook. Right. And more slice. Balloon. You, you, yeah. you could balloon it up, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that might be a suitable direction, but it's out of my control. Yeah, so, I know. <laughs> you know, Bellotta wasn't bad except for the, you know, like if you missed it. Right. Right. They put a smile on it. Right. Hickory golf is great. If you haven't hit a hickory club, you should at least try it. And try it until you hit one the way it's supposed to be hit. Right. Don't give up right away. It's like something you you have to, you can't wail at it. It's like, a, it has to be like 80%. Mm -hmm. You swing 80%, you still have to make a healthy swing at it. But, you know, it, uh, it gets your attention. If you miss hit it, you're going to lose 20 to 30% of the force that you put on it. Right. But when you hit it, the, the feedback that you get through the club is so sweet. Right. Yeah. I was interviewed on the Golf Channel and I said, uh, when you make that contact, that energy comes up through the shaft, into the grip, through your hands and into your heart. It's what you're describing. And then you fall in love with that feel. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not the most accomplished golfer, anybody's capable of that feel. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, thank you, Bird. It's a pleasure to sit with you. Thanks for letting me come by your place. Yeah, no problem. Congratulations yeah. on everything. Yeah. Thank you very much. It was fun.